from our unfortunate uh, long hiatus from the show. This is Unexceptional Americans, episode 27. And we are coming to you two days after the June 23rd round of primaries in, I believe, New York and Kentucky, and maybe some scattered special races across other places. I saw North Carolina as well. Of course, I'm Ethan Bird, if you haven't forgotten. And and who can forget about me? Donahue. It do be me. It really do be me. And I am... I'm always tired now. I'm always exhausted. I'm an essential worker now, apparently. I guess I could be classified as that. You were always when you were on the show, so. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, uh, you know, I've, I've been called back in to my real job that pays me money. So I have a lot less time on my hands. I no longer have all the time in the world to sit around and record things, which is fun and I enjoy doing, but yeah, um, we don't have a Patreon. We don't, nobody don't, we don't ask for donations. There's literally no funding mechanism for this. Uh, Our entire costs so far have been zero. Yes. We, we have a literally like a net zero, which is still positive. Um, I remember that from my personal finance classes. Uh, we have a net zero. We have a net zero budget and we have net zero expenses um, and zero spending. And we get no money from anybody, anywhere. So yeah, if I want money like in, in my life, I have to work and I work a lot. <laughs> um, and I will speak not much more on that because I mean like, Y'all know my name. <laughs> y'all, y'all know I'm from New Jersey. I'm, I've pretty much doxed myself as much as I'm willing to on on a, on a podcast. I'm not gonna say where I work, um, but uh, yeah, I works at the Trump Tower downtown Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Third floor I, kitchen. I I work in um, the the coat room at a Bedminster Golf Course. I've met Ghislaine Maxwell. <laughs> I, I almost got groomed there. Uh, we're at Nine East Seventy First Street, New York, New York. Zip code one zero zero two one, United States. That's where you can find you can find Dick if you want to do anything bad to him. Don't dox the dead, Ethan. Hey, maybe he's not dead. Yeah, don't dox the potentially the 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 allegedly doxing if you can find it with a simple Google search. Yeah, I know. Um, Either also like the address. Shout out to Andome Gebri Goris, who got three hundred votes in the primary. Let's go. He, even though he dropped out. I love it when people who drop out get votes. It makes me feel happy. <laughs> it's just like, oh, they care yeah, like that Bernie much. Like Bernie in all these primaries. I mean, 
say what you want, but he's getting over 15% in most of these places without doing a damn thing and yeah. actively encouraging people to vote for Biden. Maybe not in the primary. I don't think he really cares. Yeah. But, like, yeah. Um, totally on Team Biden now and still is. Yeah, which, I mean, like, I saw it coming. I mean, like, I I always knew that if he lost, he was going to go with Biden if or whoever it was that won because that's just who he is. And how was, I, I wonder if I wonder if Buttigieg would have been too much for him. I mean, you can just tell like they all hate that little, <laughs> yeah. little rat. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if Buttigieg won the nomination, who knows what would have happened? I mean, uh, he would have lost like thirty-five states. Amy Klobuchar probably would have like stabbed him before he could even get the nomination. She would have taken that. She would have been like, "I found my fork," and then just you know sh- shoved it in his neck or something. Um, the uh, I, I, I do got to say, going back to being a wage slave has made me very mad. And You're a cuck, plain and simple. We should, uh, yeah, a wage cuck, plain and simple, class cuck. Um, and words here. Yeah. what I, what I got to say is uh, essential workers death squad, baby. Let's make it happen. Uh, just kidding. Um, <laughs> in Minecraft. In my, yeah, essential workers death squad in... Uh, How do you determine an essential worker in Minecraft? That's my question. Everybody who plays Minecraft is an essential worker. Um, it, it's necessary. I mean, like, who else is going to entertain 14-year-olds? Um, Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey... <laughs> no, no, no. No, 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 no. We're not going to edit anything out again, are we? You, you might. <laughs> That was a lot. <laughs> um, I don't know. Should should I say something really problematic to force you to cut it? <laughs> I mean, whatever you're saying, we know you weren't. <laughs> you wouldn't have to, you know, force yourself to come up with anything new to say, anyways. Whatever. Um, we'll leave. Whatever. It stays. It stays, man. It stays. We don't censor here. We yeah. <laughs> um, not even ourselves. Because according to, what is it, Freedom House that does the, you know, the global study on press freedom around the world? Or there's like a foundation, some foundation that does like what is considered the definitive stand, like, you know, measurement of press freedom. OAS, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the OAS, Known Defenders of Freedom. Um, the Organization of American States loves, loves democracy. Just now, ask. Just ask Bolivians, man. The past uh, few weeks, they released a statement saying that they actually didn't find any evidence of tampering in last November was election, and yeah. but now it's too late, you know, because just you know, because they said because they because when they didn't do anything, when they literally knew nothing, they were just like, yeah, it was rigged. And now it's like a right wing death squads are running Bolivia, so yeah, that's great. I mean, for them. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. You gotta love it. It's such a totally, it's a totally an accident. Like, we never could have foreseen this happening. Yikes! We, look, country's look, election we and, made a little oopsie. Um, not not a good look, Chief, at the OAS. Yeah. You know, he um, won. He won. It was like pretty decisive, but not like so far so far like you know Putin or whatever. That like you can't believe that it's true. It was like a pretty convincing. Uh, I, I, I mean, I would say from what I remember. Yeah, he won 47% in a three-way race where he beat the other person by about 10 points. 
you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's unfortunate that. Um, and the other guy, the country, right? I'm pretty sure the other guy's like a former president who wasn't that popular when he was around originally either. Like he was the one guy they thought could beat him, and they dragged him out of retirement. Um, what what did you just ask again? Sorry. Where is he now? He he left the country now. Um, he went to Mexico, but I think he's moving. That he I don't know where he's moving. Um, now. As far as I can see, he because I, I I I can't remember if he left Mexico. Um, and obviously they're just making blatantly biased decisions. He's in Argentina right now. Government. Oh, okay, yeah. He went, yeah, closer to Bolivia because Kirchner. He wants to run. He wants to run for Congress or for Parliament there now. I think. Yeah, and they're blocking him because just just cause, and they're also like literally murdering. Wonder if it might have something to do with the fact that he party. is uh, the, the focused on combating the <laughs> focused on combating the influence of the United States and multinational corporations in Bolivia. Hmm. Mm. Total, totally off topic here, but yeah, uh, we went on yeah. the topic of elections. On the topic of elections, um, um, which covered, have fortunately yeah. not been rigged. Um, well, are... they haven't been rigged, but they have been definitely, despite the uh, just focusing. On they were tampered with, but the tamperers were defeated, anyways. But Booker still might lose, and there were still a large amount of black voters in Louisville particularly that were not able to get polling places that were slashed the number of polling places, just like we saw in Milwaukee. And this took place under a very moderate establishment Democrat governor. So you have to, has to beg the question that um, also- why, just, Yeah, why is this guy, of, why is this, why is this guy who, when he won, you know, was like the darling of like the DNC types, why is this guy getting all these polling places in the home city of the guy of the insurgent progressive candidate? I think crazy how um, McGrath spent over, I think, ten times as much as Booger did, and still will hopefully and um, looking likely to lose here. Increasingly well, likely spent the entire spent the entire campaign running a general election strategy against McConnell and basically ignoring he existed ignoring except for existed. intermittent hissy fits to complain. Yeah, which is like that. That's the rule here. That's one of the big. This is one of those things where it's like it's not that much about ideology. People don't vote that much on ideology because not that many voters are actually committed to like a clear ideology most of them have in most voters have beliefs on issues that a lot of them think are like idiosyncratic to themselves because they don't really talk about politics to other people they get their political knowledge from whatever they listen to or watch or read um and a lot of them just aren't ideologically coherent. It doesn't form a unified system. Before, of, I think. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't form a unified system of thinking. As like, like we saw with the guy who endured, uh, 
the guy whose name I keep forgetting, the Kentucky uh, radio show host, the sports Matt radio Jones. Guy, yeah. Matt Jones, who endorsed Jamal Bowman, was like, I think Charles Booker. I don't Charles Booker. Oh, yeah, sorry, I'm I'm looking at the words of Jamal Bowman. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay. um, I mean, uh, when Matt Jones endorsed uh, Charles Booker, who I keep, I it's really annoying to me that. You know, like I'm from New Jersey. Cory Booker's always on my mind because he's my state's senator. It's really annoying that it's two guys with the same last name and first names that both start with C. Yeah, and <laughs> it's just very like, different ideologically. Very different ideologically. In like, different they, states. Yeah, they don't look similar. They don't sound the same. They have two very different. They're two polar opposite kind of people like Charles Booker is very open very he, he can be very like buoyant very you know very very like fun cheering very very fun and Cory Booker feels like the kind of guy where like can we talk and every conversation's like him trying to be like like we're I don't know how to feel right now battle for, he was the one who came up with the whole battle for the soul of this nation before Biden ever did yeah um, I'm still wondering what he was doing in that primary. Uh, like, well, what was he doing? I'm still shocked that Cory Booker did not make it as far as he, uh, he did not make it far at all. Um, but uh, well, I think his real problem is that he's kind of in a weird place because he talks a lot about like racial issues and he's trying to appeal to moderates at the same time he's not don't care that much yeah he's yeah he's not part of the sjw left so to speak but he's also not doesn't fit the stereotypical biden clinton republic or democrat sorry i almost said republican because they're so similar but democrat yeah yeah he yeah because well who does biden appeal to and this is actually something that you know felix buterman actually like tweeted it and caused kind of like a kicked up a bit of a shitstorm around it. Um, the fact that people have been looking over at the cross tabs of the people who came out to vote in South Carolina. And it turns out for the first time in like 20 years, the South Carolina primary was actually majority white in terms of its electorate. Wow. And that. that the majority of that upsurge went to Biden because and, we also, and of course, we've also seen that, like, turnout amongst both the old and the young is up, amongst both groups is up. But the boomer uptick was way bigger than the young millennial and Zoomer increase that there was. So um, those uh, upticks... Um, you know, Biden managed to increase in a state like South Carolina um, the white vote and the old people vote and take up most of it for himself. So that kind of Democrat, Clinton, Biden, I'm not going to lump in Obama for various reasons, uh, mainly because he seems to, Obama himself personally seems to disdain both of them, uh, bo- both he seems to hold Biden in some level of contempt because he acknowledges that he probably knows that Biden is just not mentally capable of being president, even though he desperately wants it and probably knows that Biden, you know, is 
probably racist on just an interpersonal level. Um, you know, like everybody remembers the incident where, and this is getting to my point where the Biden Clinton, the OG Clintons, like Hillary, Bill and Hillary back in the nineties, all the way up until 20, literally 2016. And then after 2016 too, um, which is like, we really don't care about social justice issues at all. We will triangulate on literally anything if it means we win. Um, like the fact that Bill Clinton and Joe Biden like co-architected uh, mass incarceration together in the 90s um, and laid the groundwork for the rise of a prison industrial complex through um, their crime legislation. The, the fact that Biden wanted to be a harder drug war hawk than Bush. Um, like their whole thing is just, we don't care about the minorities really. Our point, our whole job in our view is literally just like treat them like poop, treat them like dirt, like you have nowhere else to go. We're not going to kill you. We're not saying that we're, we're not the kind, like, like Biden and Clinton on gay marriage. It's like Bill Clinton was like, yeah, I'll sign DOMA because I want to show, I want to triangulate on everything. Um, and that's my strategy. That, you know, the excuse is that if I didn't sign this, then there'd be a constitutional amendment. So actually I'm doing yeah. like the middle ground here, even though it was pretty- I'm doing you a favor. Um, I'm doing you a favor. <laughs> you have nowhere else to go. And those, <laughs> and those types of Democrats, and I think this is a thing that's playing out now because after 2016, I think we saw a high watermark for the idea of a de-radicalized liberal identity politics um, that's in, that's really decontextualized from you know the material conditions of actual people's lives and is very abstract and idealized and entirely about in in the realm of like culture and language and the way people talk it's very in the realm of interpersonal interaction um, that style of trying to meld that with neoliberalism is something that really only came into being between 2008 and 2016 and then hit a high watermark in 2016 with Hillary Clinton running the, you know, inclusive rainbow capitalism campaign that she ran where she was like literally like, well, will breaking up the big banks solve racism? Um, that was not you know, Joe Biden's whole thing is like, listen, Jack, what we got to do is give the cops more money. And also the, the, the crime bill was good and I've never done anything wrong ever. And if you don't vote for me, then, then, then you ain't black, Jack. Uh, like, like that's, we're, we're like seeing this return to like the original third way, which was, I don't give a shit. I don't give a no coincidence a third way. Yeah. Uh, this third way sounds like third Reich. It sounds like, well, literally third way sounds like third position, which is originally what the fascists called themselves. Um, not trying to say that they're similar, really. They're not. In many ways, they're totally different. But in many ways, yeah. they're like opposite to each other in a weird way. But um, the uh, 
third way. Capital breaks fascist. Don't ever remember that. Yeah, so capital breaks that. fascist. Scratch a liberal and a fascist bleeds. Um, and uh, Joe, but that's sort of the politics that Joe Biden is bringing us back to, which is like, you know, talk about people emboldening, you know, racists and sexists and whatnot. Joe Biden, I think, has allowed a lot of white liberals, a lot of male liberals, specifically white male liberals, um, people who are older too, mainly this is like an older crowd, um, to basically stop pretending like they care about social justice issues, basically to stop pretending like they care about black people or minorities or the problems that face them because they only were, they were only ever pretending from the get-go, which in the get-go was like Obama winning. Um, and of course, you know, like, you know, like we've seen Hillary Clinton come back and say, well, you know, if we don't want Trump to win, if we don't want far-right people to keep winning, well, we just have to stop being pro-immigrant. <laughs> like, literally, she said that at, at one point and said something about, like, how uh, she was talking, she was asked a question about, like, the, the rise of the far-right or the resurrection of the far-right in Europe um, around the, the migrant crisis and the refugee crisis. And she, like, connected that to America. She was like, well, you know, maybe we should start saying basically like we'll deport less people. We'll still deport them. We'll still cut down on legal immigration. And, and I think, and that was also people forget like Obama's like actual pitch to the Republicans. It's why he started deporting so many people. It's because his vision for comprehensive for, you know, this cat, this buzzword that always, this, phrase that gets thrown around a lot comprehensive immigration reform put that in scare quotes um his compromise was i'm gonna deport more people than anybody has ever deported to show the to convince the republicans that i'm serious on dealing with immigration um you know this is my active this is my olive branch to them i will deport a bunch of undocumented immigrants but i want a handful of them to stay I will, I will sacrifice a bunch of them to save the dreamers and their parents um, or, you know, like, like DAPA, which protected the parents. It was like a deferred action for parents of Americans and then DACA, deferred action for childhood arrivals. Um, so like if you had, you know, the children that get derisively referred to as an anchor baby, if you're the parent of that child, you're the parent of an American citizen, but you're a non-citizen, DAPA was protecting you from deportation and DACA was protecting you if you were a child who was, if you were brought here as a child. Um, and the whole point of the DREAM Act is like save those people and their families. Um, and his whole point was, his whole grand bargain on immigration was, I'm just going to deport millions of people, literally, and, you know, ruin millions of people's lives as long as you let me save this other group of millions of people uh, that I think we all want to protect because they're literally a part and an integral part of American society. Not that other, not that other immigrants were, but Obama's whole thing was treating certain immigrants as expendable in order to win their support. It was tragic from the beginning for really everything, right? Yeah, it was tragic from the beginning and a dumb idea from the beginning too, because Obama was repeatedly extending his, hand to be shaked and they were constantly biting it and he should have known that that's what was happening um it, it what would have happened 
it was the result. Yeah, and that's part of the problem. Um, and obviously, I think we're a little far off topic, but I'll try to wheel it back. Um, well, we can structure that episode if we need to or whatever. Um, yeah. The Biden sort of phenomenon, because Biden is still pulling ahead here, but the, the, the base of support for Joe Biden is sort of white Democrats who, uh, you know, uh, don't really care. White affluent Democrats who are genuinely reactionary and generally reactionary. Um, they don't care that much about minorities and the issues they face. They especially don't care about the actual, like, physical effects that that their oppression has on them. Like, you know, like literally the effect of immense homelessness amongst LGBT plus youth or um, the effects of redlining, meaning that, like, Black people... Oh, like huge numbers of black people live in homes that are just literally designated as, you know, basically just like your home is just inherently worth less than other people. Um, you know, ghettos that are located near um, sources of pollution that's deadly and destroys their, you know, the collective health of a community and the health of individuals, black individuals. And, um, you know, and, that, and that's where I think, like, you know, like, identity politics doesn't have to be a bad thing. There can be a such thing as, like, a radical identity politics. And, like, that was the original goal that the uh, original inventors of the term had for it, which was, yeah, socialism. There's, a social, there's socialism, and that's about attacking capitalism and the exploitation of labor. But there's people who are oppressed along uh, in, in other ways. You know, like black people are black people and white people can share the experience of being exploited as workers, and oppression in the so in the social sense plays into that, and it's important to do with that has a lot to do with that. But they're not one and the same because racism is a form of oppression, not necessarily. A form of exploitation. It's a form of oppression that aids and abets exploitation, makes exploitation easier, but and also you know produces a population that can be hyper exploited. So like that, that's one thing that people got to start talking about, which is like racism has been used as an ideology to justify the hyper exploitation of a population that was cordoned off for hyper exploitation. And, yeah. and and that cordoning off is their skin slaves, color. Right? Yeah. yeah, and and after that too, obviously. Um, yeah, there's numerous examples of that in other countries and in the United States as well. If, yeah. Um, but yeah, but that's the most striking one probably. Is yeah. African and, slaves here. Yeah. Yeah, the enslavement of of Africans in the Amer in the Americas, um, and then the you know the basically de facto serfdom of sharecroppers. Um, after that, and you know, even and to this very day, obviously, black people in this country disproportionately work in those sectors where hyper exploitation occurs. Also, let's not forget that there's prison labor that's being used, yes, still slavery, and is 
basically even admit to be slavery with the 13th Amendment, which of course is the whole In many cases, that. it's literally slavery. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, you know, this all immigration, det immigrant detention centers have the same exact problem um, with literal like slave labor going on. Um, what I'm trying to get at here ultimately is that, um, you know, these material, these real material issues are things that like the moderate liberal Democrat crowd already didn't really care about because they opposed all the policy solutions that actually dealt with that. What they cared about was performance art, essentially, was, you know, Hotep Nancy Pelosi wearing a kente cloth. Uh, like, like that, that feels like a, that feels like a rogue thought I had like three years ago when I first found out what a hotep was, which was like, yo, hotep Nancy Pelosi, that would be pretty funny. And then like I fell asleep and forgot about it. And that just somehow manifested into somehow being a real thing in the year 2020. Um, just, I, that was insane. Um, that was really, really ridiculous. The entire Democratic caucus in the House and the Senate wearing Kente claws and kneeling. Um, that sort of, and I want to take this to transition. Back into guitar. It. <laughs> yes, and I want to take that. Him, and, yeah. and I, yeah, and you mentioning that, I want to take this and transition it into, you know, the really progressive candidates, the left wing candidates that are running in the Democratic Party are ones who actually make identity politics meaningful and social justice politics actually make it meaningful and useful by saying you, you literally can't have it without economic justice because you, you, issues, you, yeah. you, you can create a culture, this sort of HR panopticon culture that is advocated for in books like White Fragility, um, to be frank, um, this sort of like you must act like a human resources management consultant is in your head at all times. You know, like, like you know the say. Have you ever heard the expression? Um, there is a cop inside all of us. It is our job to kill it. No, I've not heard that. Um, I forget who said it. It. it I. Mm, part of me wants to say Dostoevsky. Part of me knows that that is really wrong and definitely not Dostoevsky. Oh, we'll just look it up right here. It might, yeah, look, look it up. Uh, well, there's a policeman inside all of us, I think was the original quote. Yeah, yeah there, there it is. Yeah, there's a policeman inside all our heads. He must be destroyed. Um, the name of a documentary? Or? It's the name of a documentary, apparently, but I... I know it's a quote from something. I just forget where it's from. Yeah, okay. And um, I go go on now. Yeah. They, my my point is, um, that like you could kind of replace that with like you could take the first part of that, which is there is a policeman inside all of our heads, and you can kind of replace it with, uh, you know. There is an H. There is an HR management consultant in all of our heads. 
And that is sort of seems to be the goal of a lot of the like professional middle class, upper middle class, corporate consultant, culture, HR, anti-racists. Who like literally that is what a lot of the books people are circulating and now and recommending them. That's literally what most of the authors come from. They are literally HR consultants and corporate consultants whose job it is to do like quote unquote. Literally be judged but with an anti-racist angle. Yeah, with a job yeah, with an anti with with their job being professional anti-racism for a salary of like a hundred thousand dollars. Um you have to you know, it, it's the idea that like you must constantly be monitoring everything you say at all times to make sure that there is not the possible scintilla of racial prejudice hidden in there. You must interrogate your mo- your own unconscious, like some bizarre Freudian psychoanalytical. I don't want to sound too much like a right wing hysteric. Uh, but like a, a weird, like, you know, like Freudian, you know, like a weird psychoanalytical inquisition that's just constantly trying to interrogate your own inner, where it's trying to make you, it's compelling you to interrogate your inner thoughts um, and be like, do I, is this motivated by implicit bias? Is this? <laughs> Which is not to say implicit bias doesn't exist. We know it does. It's objectively proven to exist. But it's not the source of the problem. Implicit bias is derived from the fact, like, like it's, it's still conditioned into us. It's not something that you genetically pass down. from. It's not like a gene that's the implicit bias gene that we just evolved over time because we oppressed black people for so long that all white people just suddenly had a hereditary trait of racism. Uh, it's that from the moment we are born, the way we are socialized and the way that we are informed about the existence of non-white people as a white person is we are socialized into and conditioned into viewing those people in a certain way. And And it's very hard to break that. It is very hard to break that, which is why we need to promote a culture of, you know, learning and growth and and self-education and bug in my room sorry uh okay um this way just had, time. yeah i do not know where it went but um i just my i guess my point is that ultimately like real anti-racism is you know creating a society the real problem with systemic racism isn't there's so much implicit bias amongst the individuals in the system is that the system has racist consequences. And the point in those racist consequences exist in material reality that we can start to undo. And when we undo that, the implicit bias that is psychological in our heads and the ideological prejudices that people hold can then fade, or then would, would, will start to fade away more quickly. They still have to be thought, obviously, but they can be undone. Um, and you know, like it, we have to do real policies in the real world and real big material social changes 
that actually change the structure of our society and the experienced reality, the, the lives, that change the lives of people of color, of black people, of indigenous people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, of, of, of working people of all races too, um, that create, that, that begin to undo these big cultural biases that we all get uh, socialized into uh, sort of believing and acting on. Um, I've gone way off topic, um, but that is a, but that is sort of a, I, I, you know, that was my attempt at sort of laying out a vision of sort of radicalized identity politics, as opposed to a totally, you know, detesticled identity politics that is entirely about um, interpersonal interaction and personal behavior. Um, and, and also personal attitude. It's all about your own psyche. And um, I think we've see, we see a great victory for a progressive left that has a meaningful sense of social justice and economic justice. We're seeing tremendous political victories for those people in the, sen in, in the fact that Jamal Bowman just wiped out a guy who's Elliot Engel, a guy who's been in Congress for decades, is the, head, is the head of the Foreign Affairs Committee. One wonders why Pelosi allows someone way to her right, someone who voted for the Iraq War to head the Foreign Affairs Committee when the Democrats have a majority. That's a little weird, right? Um, but Jamal Bowman you know, it, well, it, it's the opposite of Stephen A. Smith. Today is a very good day. Yes. It's a day, I am happier today than I have been in a long time. Today is the best day that I have had in a long time. Seeing Jamal Bowman win by, like, what? He, he won with what? Like 62%, 65%? 61.7% to be exact, yeah. Against... A, a, against a like, twenty year. Like a thirty year incumbent, that's awesome. That's that, that's awesome. That's fucking great. And I, I love, don't think this I is think what has, I love to see. He literally has no opponent in the general election. There's not a single Republican that is. And this is the kind of thing that boggles my mind. There's there's so many seats like this. There's probably fifty to a hundred. I mean not a hundred, but more than fifty seats in the country where. Democrats are the only people that would ever win in a million years, and this, and there still is a corporate center right Democrat that's in that seat after all these years. I mean, yeah, seats that are like D plus twenty, like Pelosi seats, where the district is like far as hell to the left of the person who represents the the district. Like, there's a bunch of districts in Texas like that. Where they have, where there's a handful of gerrymandered Democratic districts that could elect far left, they could elect like communists if they wanted to. And the fucking uh, guy um, that Jessica Cisneros ran against, but she lost by like really slim margin in Texas. Um, um, what's his name? I forgot his name. He's not really that relevant, but he's very. But I get your point. That like point. was it? Quayar? Yes, Henry Quayar. Henry, Henry Quayar, Quayar, yes. Yeah. That guy. I mean, his district is... It's he's insane. a conservative. He's a conservative Democrat. Like, just straight up a conservative. I think he's a straight up blue dog, yeah. 
and his district is what like it is a d plus i'm gonna say i don't know a lot i i'm pretty sure Let's see. Um, his district is D plus nine. Okay, I thought. Yeah, D plus worse. nine. I was about to say uh, I'm gonna aim for high single digits. Um, my brain just foresaw that. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a lot more, to be honest. But yeah, yeah. That's D plus nine still. Eighty-two point seven. Eighty-two point seventy-five percent urban. Seventy-eight uh, percent Hispanic. Yeah, uh, that pretty. Uh, just generally diverse too like it is a green party the green party is able to muster candidates in its races 2014 there was no republican it was a democrat versus a libertarian and a green um yeah holy shit yeah yeah there's no need henry cuellar is his history has moved beyond the need has progressed past the need for henry well i don't i would argue there never was one but yeah uh, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm referencing yeah. the meme. We yeah, 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 no, yeah. no more Henry Cuellar. No more. History has progressed past the need for Henry Cuellar. Um, and history has progressed past the need for Elliot Engel, for Chuck Schumer, for Nancy Pelosi, for, for, for James Meeks. Clyburn, for Gregory Meeks, for... for uh, Steny um, Hoyer. Steny Hoyer. Oh I, his name I constantly forget, and I constantly mix him up with Dick Durbin, who history's also progressed past the need for. Um, um, who are you? Steny Hoyer? Is he mixed up with Dick Durbin? Yeah, I don't know what it is. It's just, I don't know what about their names gets me mixed up. But also it's because they have the same, they have the equivalent positions in their respective houses of Congress. Um, they're both the number two. Um, but Elliot Engel losing is amazing. This is a Democrat who wanted to go invade Venezuela, who has, who is, who has Venezuelan blood on his hands. This is a Democrat who um, voted for the Iraq War. This is a Democrat who has never met a war he doesn't like. And this is also a guy who, like, He's deserved... the Dick Cheney of the Democratic Party. Yeah, and this is a guy who deserved to lose. You deserve to lose when you run a campaign as poorly as he did. Like, that 30... he didn't care if he didn't have a primary about the Black Lives Matter protests? Yeah, barely 35%, and you have been there for 30 years? He, and you deserve it because he, he whines. He whined like a little bitch. And that's why Amy McGrath is probably going to lose too. Because when you whine, when you're losing, the worst thing to do is whine like a little bitch about it. To cry like a little baby, like a little bitch baby. You know, like, oh, I'm going to piss my pants. Oh, I'm so sad. Oh, I'm going to cry. Why are you beating me? That's not fair. Why are you just doing a better job at running in my running for my would-be constituents than I am? Um, like the only times Amy McGrath has bothered to like take a pause and recognize that she's in a primary and not yet running against um, Mitch McConnell. Um, the only times that she's taken a break from doing that to actually acknowledge the existence of Jamal Bowman is to whine and complain and whinge and generally throw hissy fits about like how unfair it is that he's just a better campaigner than she is. Um, 
Elliot Engel complained that AOC endorsing his opponent is dictatorship, apparently. Yeah. I don't know. Does he think that was not interference in their elections? Yeah. No, I think they're districts border each other or are very close to each other. They're both in Queens. Yeah, they're the districts. The districts are adjacent to each other. Um, like they share a border. Um, and also and not it, sovereign nations. Okay. This yeah, is it's also country. yeah, and also like it's an endorsement. If Elliot Engel like endorsed the CNBC monster that was running against oh, Cristo uh, Cabrera. Yeah, um, I like how they deliberately found a, how the DNC people like deliberately found a centrist who has this like the same kind of Hispanic naming. Uh, practices in their name like like they've literally found someone who has also got a Hispanic name and or, you know last, last name. name yeah Caruso Cabrera and well Caruso is like Italian but they found someone with like a hyphenated last name that you know I guess to like a DNC consultant you know sounds ethnic to me uh <laughs> We'll go with that. Suburbs of, suburbs of Chicago. Just, it would be really funny to me if, like, you know, Michelle Caruso Cabrera is actually like mostly Italian, <laughs> and and Caruso is like her maiden name, <laughs> and she just hyphenated it when she got married to someone else or something. Um. Although, what is her actual? Where is she actually from? Um. She's, she was born in Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> and she wanted <laughs> that's actually hilarious wait wait scroll back up on the on this thing born in Dayton Ohio and raised in Nashua New Hampshire she then went to Wellesley College which is in Massachusetts so this girl this woman sorry as a girl spent zero time in New York <laughs> and she wants to be she wanted to run for representative. Stringer of the New York Times, um, <laughs> in the education section, and then she worked for Univision. So there's the ethnic qualifications. Una vision. Una vision. Uh, in the words of Immortal Technique, if you, I've never, uh, you know, if you think the Spanish left, uh, just turn on Univision. Um, I've never seen so many white people in all my life. Uh, it, that's, he wrote the that's not, book, that's you not know I'm right. a good company to be in. You know I'm right. More prosperity, less government. That was only 10 years ago, and she was a fully adult. Literally a, Republic, a Republican, a, a libertarian. by Larry Kudlow. The book calls for the elimination of both Social Security and Medicare, among other. The elimination entirely. Even Trump does not advocate for that. She's literally a libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> it's she's, insane. Well, she's worse than CNBC, so it makes sense. But yeah, she makes wrote sense. Uh, Ronald Reagan as basically best thing ever she was endorsed yeah. by the chamber of commerce yes and she was she, she that's was usually funded, a go-to sign that they're like pure evil she was funded by trump's donors and tim pool who we have to give some and the and time to the tim pool tim said that trump's donors were going to basically rescue queens from the evil dictatorship of this you know ethnic latina socialist hellscape alexandria ocasio-cortez's you know imposing on us and um, on this great American city, even though I always love to shit on it. And um, they said Trump's donors are going to rush in there. And yeah, and he's, she's going to lose. Her constituents hate her. Um, yeah. 
She yeah. said, he said Ocasio-Cortez re-election in trouble as Trump mega donors donate to her main rival. AOC is going to lose, lose her seat. Lose her seat. You got you got to you got to you got to really emphasize. And then he said, he even I, I want to read those. I want to read them all. Okay, um, yeah. AOC, uh, not nah, the next one. Uh, AOC is going to lose her seat in June to a moderate, as the trend holds true. Progressives don't win. Ocasio Cortez close to losing her seat in Congress. Bail reform backfired, and Democrats declare war. I I genuinely wonder what big brain. And then he said, like. "No, I repeatedly said she would win." <laughs> yeah, maybe the maybe the people don't want to go back to the thing, way things were, which sounds more like a thought he was musing to himself and then accidentally tweeted <laughs> than than actually well, like he is a deranged also, person who says that they are not going to the left is never going to stop in this culture war until they can fire your mom for any kind of racist comment you said. He has um, he has gone on right wing rants on like far right. He's like if Michael Tracy was sent to the hospital from one flew over the cuckoo's nest. <laughs> That's the kind of like like both stupid and deranged that he is. Like they electroshocked him and then like lobotomized him. That's probably why he wears the beanie to cover up the scars from the lobotomy that removed most of his brain, which is clearly missing. Um, the surgery, he, he got brain smoothing surgery <laughs> and, and they, now he wears the beanie to cover up the, the scars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He is a ridiculous, and he's, the idea that he can still portray himself as some kind of moderate liberal is. Just affected liberal. Please, please pay attention to me. Please give me interviews. Please somebody. Please, somebody. I, I, I'm running out of money. <laughs> I, I can't afford granola bars anymore. I, I need chicken. I need to go buy some chicken nuggies. Please, please, someone pay attention to me. <sighs> um. In other words, um. Going sort of connecting the other thing that's in terms of elections that seems to be going on is that Biden's chances, um, like we said, you know, like 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 I said, she moved to Queens less than a year before running announcing her candidacy for Congress. That's amazing. She that's even better. That's even Trump Tower for several years. She was married to an investment banker and Republican donor. And she thought Stephen she Dizzard, the, the Dizzard King. Uh, she is running in a district that is D plus 29. That's, that was an interesting choice. It does kind of go to show you that, like, a lot of Republicans are dumb and not very good at strategy. Um, once, uh, this, I think, should be the final thing we talk about because I think we've been yeah, going on clip, for a while sure. here. Um, Joe Biden, in terms of his poll numbers, is up. Um, very well. Very well. And, you know, I thought at the beginning, when I realized that Joe Biden was going to be the candidate, I just kind of thought to myself, he 
he's not gonna win. We're fucked, guys. We're screwed. We're screwed. We're really screwed. There's no way. Unless uh, the, the only way something, the only way he wins, if if something absolutely insane happens, if like a po- something apocalyptic happens, well, something apocalyptic is happening. <laughs> it happened. A pandemic happened. We all we all started living in contagion. The movie, and now it seems incredibly likely that Biden's going to be president. Um, of course. It seems like the margin seems so big that actually, hey guys, still vote third party if you're in a blue state or a red state. Still vote green. Get the greens to five percent. I can if yeah. I mean, get just get them to five percent, and you can do that. Just in blue states, but I know there are some comrades, some watermelon comrades out there, who, and I mean, like, hey. If we get him to five percent, and Howie Hawkins is also the Socialist Party's candidate for president, so I'm not sure how that worked, but we might actually get a Socialist Party to five percent technically. <laughs> I don't think it works that way necessarily, but at least they'd get have a they'd be running a candidate who would have that much that many votes. Um, I mean, like it's possible, guys. I mean, Biden's edge in the polls really seems to be coming from the fact that his strategy is kind of working. He's dipping into the pool that Trump really needs to really you really thought he had a monopoly on, which is white people above the age of 60. And that's yeah. where a lot of Biden's bump is coming from, a lot of his margin. There's a lot of those people who didn't vote, because let's be honest here, old people vote a lot more often than young people, but still a huge number of old people don't vote. A lot of the old independents are coming out for Biden. A lot of old white people have moved into the Democratic Party to vote in this primary to vote for Biden. And he's bringing them in. It's Right now, Trump is leading in Texas by 0.5%. That's terrifying. I don't think think Biden will win Texas, but that's still... And and who knows how things will be by November. And who Uh, knows? Biden could lose in a landslide. Or Biden could win Texas. We we don't we don't know. Yeah, um, we yeah like we literally don't know, and I mean, you know what? Biden's winning Ohio right now, which we didn't even think was. If Biden play gets, anymore, if Biden somehow manages to kick ass, and also if we actually get enough people to vote green, that it actually like forms a significant vote, or you know. Uh, that would be all around good. It would get Trump out and also be a boon to the left and shows that actually, hey, look, like we're we're still here, we're still around, we're still important, you still have to pay attention to us. Um I and think, I think it's definitely things. better to have Biden as president than Trump because we've seen what where Trump is really willing to go in the past few weeks. Yeah. And especially um, that his rallies and what he's done with the protesters. Yes. Still, obviously, we need to keep up this momentum and hold Biden's feet to the fire. And not just that, but put active pressure on him and active pressure on the entire system because he's not yes. the answer. But he is yeah. a stopgap, potentially. Yeah, like this yeah. protest movement can't be allowed to peter out. 
Exactly. If, yeah. if it's still going on, because it will peter out, I think, eventually. If it peters out, I hope well, yeah, it peters out. will hopefully eventually come back again. Before Biden's president. Too. It petered out in 2015 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. always. It's a yeah. recurring thing. But um, I, I think, like, the fact that this is really, like, militant, really. Uh, when Biden is president, we have to actually pack this kind of punch again. Because, let's face it, he's not going to be moved to the left. He refuses. He doesn't want to. He's made it very clear. He's made it very clear that he doesn't care if you are mad about it. Cope harder. Cope. Cope. Um, but I think at this point, uh, you know, like, we can intimidate him into not giving into, or at least the people around him, into not governing horribly. Um, especially with a house that has even more, you know, left. Hopefully not Pelosi. And hopefully, and yeah, that's the last thing. Let's. I'm going to end on that. We've taken out Joe Crowley. We've taken out Elliot Engel. Charles Booker is likely to be Amy McGrath, which would be a humiliating defeat for the DNC and the the DSCC and Democratic leadership. Get Shahid to win. Let make let's come on. Get butts out for Batar, you know? Let's let's fucking do this. Let's beat Nancy Pelosi in November. And elect Shahid Batar. Let's yeah. cut the head off the snake. Because what are they going to do? What are they going to do? Make make Steny Hoyer the speaker? No. They barely even stand up. No. They, they're not going to make Jim Clyburn or Steny. They might make Jim Clyburn speaker. I wouldn't put it past them. But opening up a battle for speaker after the last speaker who was like, you know, the moderate just got her ass whooped would be pretty good. Just got her ass bounced, and we just elected like a whole bunch of people backed by DSA. I mean, Shahid Buttar is not only running into the Pelosi, but he, I think if he was elected, he would probably be the most left-leaning member of Congress. Yeah, he'd be very far left. He's maybe, further maybe left he's than, jo- than Jamal Bowman or Charles Booker are. Or further left than AOC, I would even say. Or even AOC. Yeah. Um, given, like, the shows he goes on. And he's definitely... Very good on like surveillance. He was just incredibly good. Yeah, and yeah. those kinds of things. Those are kind of his like forte, but he's good on everything really. And um, I yeah. And, yeah, and he just need he's great on everything, and he needs to get in there so that way we can see a total terrify a total shakeup of Democratic leadership, and especially in the House. Um, and just impose one more humiliating defeat on the Democratic establishment as a whole. You know, if Biden wins, and I still at this point would say I hope he does, they're going to feel very confident about themselves based on that. And we cannot let them get, we can't let them get too cocky. Yeah, we, so keep, we have, we have to, to keep letting this. the air out their tires. Yeah. Which is like, hey, guess what? You, you guys won the big battle. But we are winning the war right now. We're racking up those points, man. 
We're racking them up, and they're really te- and they're really they're really humiliating guys. Let's be honest. Your thirty-term incumbent that you had to drag Hillary Clinton out to endorse. Like that would do anything. Like, like that would do anything but make him like do worse. Um. Yeah. Uh. That that guy just like pissed his pants and just like shat his adult diaper until it disintegrated in his pants, and then it stood his pants brown. Play was play. getting some third-rate basketball player to do some Zoom call with him where they had, like, the graphic designing of, like, a middle schooler on, like, the promotional flyer that everyone was <laughs> shitting on on Twitter. That was um, that was, Bo- that was not Bowman. That was Engel's last big play. Yeah. R- running a... You're, you, you had to, you're, you're desperately trying to make sure a woman who is, is literally a loser... And also, like, you know, like a, a like a literal Trump supporter. You're really trying to make her Trump. Really trying to make that happen. You really. Who was Mondaire Jones running again? Who, who, who? I don't know what was going on. I'm not. He, had, he was running for an open seat. Okay. Something's um, retired. There's that, and you know, and, and if they beat Pelosi, I mean, like, if we get if Batar beats Pelosi. That is huge. That is, in my opinion, about as big as like winning the presidential primary, because well, that, is, that is not that big. But in terms of its political importance, in terms of the like earthquake of fear it would send through the Democratic establishment, it it would be on a. It would be. It's it's very similar. It's pretty close. It's a second. It's a close second. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, if Sam Cedar primaries Chuck Schumer, we'll see. Sam Cedar 2022. Make it happen. Beat Chuck Schumer. Get rid of him. I hate him more than any any of them. Please get rid of him. We started Um, the show talking about how useless – or you did start talking about how useless Chuck Chuck Schumer Schumer. I remember your first episode of the best quote was, He's at maximum capacity. He can't. He's at, he's at max capacity. He can't. He literally is at max capacity for doing anything. He could. He could barely be bothered to actually like endorse and support Elliot Engel. Like he's literally. You asked Engel Schumer. Engel said he had the endorsement, and then Schumer just didn't like said we have not. It's like oh, him. I didn't do. I didn't do that yet. <laughs> I didn't do that. No, I didn't. And then he like waited like a few more weeks. I was like, oh crap, he's losing. Uh, I guess I'll endorse him. I mean, like Chuck Schumer is like literally a guy who like you give him more than two things to do at a time, and he just kind of will fuck it up. He'll find some way to fuck it up. It, like it will overwhelm. Like doing more than focusing on more than just like I don't know breathing or eating whatever he's eating at the moment or like I don't know buying a new suit if you give him anything on addition, in addition to that like on top of that like mountain of priorities his, his nervous system just shuts down he just like freaks out and shits his pants and wets the bed and all the expressions and then you know uh, just he he manages to fumble it all, and somehow, like two weeks later, he's like, "I I kind of did it. Look, I'm finished with all the things that are on my to do list." It's like you did them in like reverse order, and half-assed, them. half-assed, and you half-assed doing them wrong. So, 
I don't get what the point was. <laughs> what were you doing? So, yeah. With that, I say we can kind of end on like a hopeful note. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fuck Elliot Angle. Fuck Chuck Schumer. Fuck yeah. Vince. Blow out. Blown the fuck out. BTFO. Elliot Angle has been BTFO'd. And so was Michelle Caruso Cabrera. So not conceding How funny would it be if Bowman's margin actually went up and then more attention was drawn to that because Angle was to concede and if he just conceded now then no one would He lost. Yeah, he, when they finally count all the votes, Angle lost. Like, like seventy seventy percent to like twenty four percent. That would be that would make my day. That would be the best day I've had in a long time. That would be pretty good. Today's the best day I've had in a long time because we finally got to do the show again. So Yes, I missed it. And we are sorry, dear listeners. Yeah. But I think you know, and I both had a lot of stuff going on. So life happens. And support us on Patreon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Subscribe to the Patreon. Feel free to send us cash in the mail if you want to. Just uh yeah, yeah. Just PM give me, for just, the address, you know. Yeah. Yeah, give give us the money to pay for like real mics that have quality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Take care, everyone. And uh, bye bye. All right. Bye bye.